Hey guys, welcome back. Today we are joined by someone who I'm pretty sure is actually James Bond in real life. Um, this guy started with automobiles, rides motorcycles, likes fast things. So rightfully so, he transitions into watches with a little bit of a military origin. A family history as well. Deep rooted. So I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure that the guy sitting next to us. Uh, welcome to the show, Don. Welcome to the show, and we want to get into talking about how you rebooted Vertex. Yeah, Don Cochran, folks, CEO of Vertex. Hi. Hi, everybody, and thank you for having me here today. Um, so, yes, my great-grandfather started Vertex in 1912. Um, before that, he started Dreadnought in 1902. Um, uh, Vertex did many wonderful things, but they're most well-known for being one of the 12 Dirty Dozen watchmakers. Um, that provided watches for the British during the Second World War. And um, what's particularly special about the 12 is that the other 12 are people like Omega, Jäger, Lecouche, Longines, IWC. Um, so it's quite a nice club to be a member of. It's quite exclusive, actually. Very Very exclusive. Club. So can you tell us... Um, <clears throat> well, before that, what are you wearing? What am I wearing? I am wearing the M60 Aqualion, which is our dive watch um, we just launched recently. And it's a very technical dive watch. 600 meters water resistance, cost certified movement, Swiss ISO rated case, anti-magnetic, molded superluminative dial. Um, yeah, it's a beast. All right. And I got the Norcane on, I'm rocking wearing, the cane. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing the Oris Pro Pilot X. We wanted to talk to you because we there's a lot of brands at Windup that have no history to them. And you're one of the few that do. And I, I wanted to know, out of all of the brands there, out of all, even some of the heritage brands that are being rebooted, you know, Aquastar, Nevada, Yima, yeah. um, what would you say differentiates, differentiates your experience and relationship from these other rival brands? Yeah, I mean, one, most of the heritage brands that are being restarted aren't being restarted by family members. So Claude Laz, my great-grandfather, was then taken over by my grandfather, Henry, and then my uncle ran it till it closed in 1972 as the lease for our factory had come up and my grandfather wanted to retire. Um, so I didn't start Vertex as a commercial thing. I started Vertex because my grandmother died and I was sad and I thought it was a nice way to keep her in my life, to bring back her father's watch company. And I think that's the difference. It's a very much it's a passionate thing. And all our because we sell directly, we don't sell via retail. Every one of our Vertex owners I know and we have a relationship with and that sort of community is super important to me. And you, can you only buy the watches in the London shop that you have? So, so you can buy them online or, or physically in London. Okay. Um, but we ship all over the world. In fact, the U.S. is probably over 50% of our market right now. Wow, wow. that's surprising. Yeah, that's great. And the M100 was the... Yeah, that's the, the watch we started release. with, which yeah. was basically a, a... I wouldn't say a homage, but it took the DNA from the WWW, Second World War watches, um, really modernized it, but still keeping very true to its form. Um, I think... If I do say so myself, it's the most kind of true to the original design of any of the recent modern homages of, of those watches. Um, and so we launched that. It's a little bit controversial because the M100 you couldn't buy unless you were service, service personnel or, or a veteran. And the point of that was that it was created for the military originally and I wanted to for them to maintain ownership of it in some way. Um, well, I could tell you're 
about all about military because when you're saying you're going to come over here, you're like 1730. I was like, okay, what is this again? Uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, it's been lovely and it, it's created this incredible community around the brand. Do you have um, waiting lists for, for yeah, the watches now? Yeah, it's cool. Um, look at the M100. It's like impossible. It's like yeah, and I think that the most flattering thing for me is that if you look online and try and buy one second hand, there aren't any for no, sale. That, and that's, and that just shows that our owners love their watches and they keep them. And it's it that's so important to me. Um, and it's it's the most flattering. It's thing. kind of a, a litmus test to see. Yeah. Is it getting to the right audience directly yeah. oh, from yeah. you? Absolutely. Absolutely. How about the mono pusher? So mono pushers, um, I made for me. I love mono pushers. I love it. It was modeled <laughs> after the. Yeah, it again, it's another one. war watch we made. It's actually a watch that was commissioned, but we ended up not making. So, end of the Second World War, we were commissioned to make it. We developed it with um, Lamania, and then after the war finished, because we were a British company, we were rationed to how many movements we could bring into the UK. So we actually moved to civilian watchmaking because we could make more money out of it than military. Um, Lamania went on to make that watch and they did pretty well out of it. Um, but we had the same designs, so we, we basically took our design sketches and modernized it again as we did with the M100 and created the MP45, which is done great. And that's sort of coming to the end of its its cycle now, so we've almost sold out those as well. And the archives for all this, because the the brand kind of got sold by a son-in-law of your great-grandfather and then you had to buy it back right so yeah. where did the, all the archives come from Ooh. yeah i mean so basically um it didn't really get sold it just stopped it just stopped uh, okay. so 1970s were not a sexy time for the watch industry the quartz crisis was happening watches were not a thing even rolex were not a thing in the 70s um it was it was a very different time so it just disappeared and and luckily for me um another company patented or trademarked Vertex. Um, basically, it's a company called Columbia Clothing, which is uh, oh, wow, a really? US clothing company. Yeah. They created their own Gore-Tex material called Vertex. And when they did that, they trademarked it for everything, including watches. So no one could make a Vertex watch, um, which is great. Um, so when I tried to bring the company back, I contacted them and said, look, this is what I want to do. And Columbia Clothing is still a family company. So this is my family thing. You haven't made a watch. I'd really like to have it back so I can make some watches and they were super cool about it they were they just had to pay legal costs which weren't dramatic and uh, got so the you got, a good, back. You got yeah. a good deal yeah so we're we were actually looking to buy the name from you actually uh, <laughs> now that we know we got it for so cheap I think we can yeah it's fine <laughs> yeah that's let, funny let, let's start bidding over 20 mil and then we'll go oh, man. <laughs> hey is you that are... in ringgit or the rupee <laughs> or Malaysia. 20 uh, <laughs> yeah. Bolivaris. So actually, I want to ask you a question, not yes. relating to watches. Yeah. All right. So how was your time at uh, Ogilvy and Mather? Ogilvy and Mather. Mather. Ogilvy and Mather. And what was the favorite ad you made? Okay. Well, that's a good question. And Ogilvy and Mather were, was an amazing, it's basically an advertising agency. It's one of the biggest advertising agencies in the world, for people that don't know. Um, uh, David Ogilvy, who was the founder, was the man that invented the word brand for branding, advertising, and that sort of thing. So he's his book on branding was amazing and it was a bit when I started it was a bit mad men so when I first day there I went to HR and I got a little bag with a book on advertising and a file of facts and a glass Ogilvy ashtray for my desk because that's <laughs> what you did in those days which is fantastic um it was it was a real it was a real and because it was a global agency you worked on some incredible brands from Guinness to IBM to BP and Shell and Bupa and all sorts of things I mean I think 
some of the Ford ads were my favourite. We did an amazingly funny Kentucky Fried Chicken campaign, which I really enjoyed, but I can't really go into why. Um, but I think um, Shell, we do, uh, motorsport has been a big part of my life, and we Shell were working with Ferrari even back then. We did an amazing ad where it, we basically had Michael Schumacher driving down a runway Ooh. and an aircraft refueler, uh, like a oh, bit cheek come down, that? yeah. Oh, and, I remember and that. Refuel his Ferrari. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't do that. They, they just flew over each other. But in the ad, it looked like a refueling pipe had come that. out of the plane, gone into the thing, and that was pretty, pretty amazing. That's badass. So actually, I was gonna roll it over into F one because yeah. I know that you worked the ninety seven Spanish GP. Yeah, yeah. And so I was curious: is that tiny? That, 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 well, that was my the start of my Grand Prix life. So when I was at Ogilvy working on these ads. I had a friend who was working in Formula One for um, for Formula One management, Ben Eccleston's company, and they said we needed some help on the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, and I was like, sure, that sounds like fun. And I did that Grand Prix, and after that Grand Prix, they said, actually, do you mind doing the rest of the season? So then I was still working at Ogilvy, and I was taking a holiday. So most of the races, you'd travel on a Thursday, you'd work Friday, Saturday, and fly back Sunday night. So I only had to take one day off every other week which was fine so i just did that for the rest of the season and then i ended up working for f1 for another six years afterwards you think that working in the automotive industry when you took back vertex do you think it made i mean influences I, th I think it gave me a lot of um contacts so a lot of the people i'd worked with um had a, had you know they had gravity within the media industry so they were working either in you know they were car reviewers for GQ or for The Times or for something else. And so it helped get me to the right people. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I always found it so fascinating that you transitioned into back into watches, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's coming home. It was right? totally not on purpose. And I've known about Vertex all my life, obviously, and I never intended or even romanticized about it. Yeah. You know, so it just, it was literally, my granny died, I was sitting at work, I was feeling really sad, and it was like an epiphany. It was like, if I do this, it, it allows me to do something cathartic, feel better about it. Uh -huh. Yeah, because I remember, so I did do some research on you, did some due diligence, and I remember reading that, yeah, what started it was you visiting your grandparents, and then grandpa showing you yeah, watches. watches building watches and drawing watches when you're a kid drawing a watch is really easy it's a round circle you can do it and, and unless you're brew then it's a square something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> john john only knows how to make watches in squares and uh because yeah like he said when he was a kid there wasn't there was like three channels yeah absolutely no it wasn't a lot to do i mean you, you people of today you have no idea what it feels like <laughs> to be bored we were bored so much of the time so you did whatever you could to entertain yourself yeah, the fact that you actually read books are fun <laughs> i mean i still do that calm down <laughs> here's something that um we are curious on because we know that you're a james bond guy like yes who, a little who uh who do you think should be the next james bond well it's a uh, complicated question it's really interesting it's going to be so interesting to see what they do next um and i feel very you know as an english person i feel very close to james bond i've taken a certain amount yep. of ownership over it um it's really hard because people are changing all the time um and it really depends how the how barbara and michael the producers here eon want to structure the film whether they want to do a you know origin story if you like and take him back to being under 30 or maybe just over 30 with the books he's 36 in the first book uh -huh. so i don't know 
what they'll try to do and obviously the age they place him at and I do think it's going to be a him despite everyone going it's going to be I, a girl I agree with you I think it's going to be a, a him um, and so it'll be, I think that really defines where that's going to be so who do you think is the best suited right now just off the cuff I mean I really like Henry Cavill I liked him in that um, yeah uh, and he did he's done a couple of spy things and I, I like his humour and I think he's got a good look I will kind of see it Tom Hardy how about I Tom mean, Hardy? Yeah, I, 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 I think Tom Hardy is great, but he's a bit too rough in a way. Ew. Um, but he'll punch kind of me when I say that. So <laughs> I hope he's not listening. Tom, I'm sorry. I think you're amazing. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah. So your work in the Aston 177 yeah. and the V12 Zagato is like, I was like wanting to see about the James Bond video. Yeah. Hey, you were fairly close to James Bond. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, so I was... I had a spell working at Aston Martin. I was in charge of the 177 project and the Vito Zagata project. But on the side of it, I had access to the uh, James Bond collection. So all the cars they had. And they don't actually own that many. Uh, they don't have the DB5, for instance. They, don't have a, they do now because they've made them since then. But at the time, they didn't have DB5. But they had the V8 from um, the Living Daylights. And they had all the cars from Casino Royale and from Quantum. So I got to drive the original DBS, the prototype DBS, which was made for the film which behind the seats, it's got um, Daniel Craig's name like behind the seats. That's it's sick. so cool. And I had to um, deliver it to a, a thing we were doing. And I got the truck to drop it off a couple of blocks away from the thing. And then I drove it there myself. And it doesn't have a stereo. It's not a proper, proper car. But I had my headphones in and I was listening to the Bond theme tune. That was oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you clipped that on a video. I felt somewhere. like a god. It was amazing. <laughs> that is one thing that like honestly if you ever sat in that dude, i was gonna ask you like man like one of the things because i'm a big james bond fan and i was gonna ask yeah. you like oh did you get to fucking drive the car yeah Shit, i know it's amazing dude. and you, it's you just have lived yeah. i know it's incredible Ooh. i mean those little those are the moments life is about moments it's not about money it's not about stuff it's about moments and that is one of the best moments you guys uh want to try to beat omega into a getting out of Bond so you can slap them yeah, on with a vertex? The, the, I, Omega, I mean, the Bond, as you know, is a very commercial entity and yeah. Omega spend, a, well, Swatchgate spend a lot of money. I mean, the, you get a Swatch a Bond watch as well. Um, they spend a lot of money on being there and I don't think we can quite compete with that. I tried, I'm pretty close to the Eon production team, so I tried quite hard to get some one in somewhere, but it just wasn't going to happen. So back to the car bit, um, you work with Elon Musk. Yeah. How was yeah, that? I what did, did you do too. with... Well, before that, before you have him <laughs> go into that, let's have him go into the original, man, when you were at Think. Yeah. 96, when you had the first... Uh, first. It's like the first fully, actual EV. Yeah, fully homologated electric car in the world. That's so I'm, I've done the a lot of things. It's probably right? very, very confusing first for your EV. listeners. <laughs> so I was... Um, so when I was at Ogilvy, going back to Ogilvy, Ogilvy had Ford as a client. Ford had bought Think, which is a Norwegian yep. electric vehicle company. Um, I left Ogilvy, blah, 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 life point we've done. And then I was, um, I just bought a house in central London and I really wanted an EV because I remember these little EVs we had when I was at Ogilvy that Think had made and they were really good and you got to drive them around. They were like real cars. Um, so then I, I basically created a relationship with Think and I ended up working for them as sales and marketing director. Um, but it was sort of stillborn. They, they hadn't developed the car enough and because they were using a Ford's parts bin, um, a lot of the parts they developed the car with didn't exist anymore. So the thing didn't really happen. I spent a lot of time in Norway developing it, but it didn't happen. But at the same time, I realized that wasn't going to work out. I was at a car show and I met Elon and he was like, oh, 
talk to me about electric cars. And, and at the time, he needed someone to have the knowledge that I'd learned. And so I did a little presentation, presented everything. They was like, cool, come and work for us. And so I was the first, second hire, sorry, in Europe for them. Um, and I uh, got to work at Tesla at the beginning of the, what we call the Roadster years, when they had that Lotus Elise-based Roadster. And working on such a disruptive product was incredibly empowering. Just amazing to walk into a room of, you know, the, the heads of every big car company in the world and a whole load of um, legislators and all the people in the room were quiet apart from me because none of those car companies could say combustion engines were bad because they all had combustion engines, cars. They were developing EVs and they believed in EVs, but they couldn't say combustion engines were bad and I was the only one that could. So it's amazing. It's amazing. He went from uh, saving the world with EVs to going back to Martin to burning yeah, yeah, I know. I've it's a complicated story. It's it's a, it's a love story. I mean, you find yourself back in yeah. one. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, but Elon was amazing um, to work with, and he is difficult to work with because he knows better than you, and he knows more than you, and not in a sense where he knows better than you and he doesn't. He actually does. He understands things deeper than you do and and broader than you do, and that's quite difficult to work with. But he was very inspiring, and luckily we're still kind of friends, which so it's nice to keep in touch. We were actually, I was going to ask you, Brendan had uh, written the question, uh, who is the most famous person on your phone? Well, Elon's probably the richest person on my phone. Yeah, uh, right now the richest person in the world, yeah. yeah. So that'll work, whether he's the most famous. I mean, I guess he is. I he mean, is our right children will learn to, about him in school. Do you want to prank call him right now on live? <laughs> do you think he would pick up your call on a random time? If I did it now, he'd never pick it up again. So uh, let's not try it. <laughs> so you don't want to burn that for us? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it'd be hugely entertaining. I'm sure he'll find it very funny, but let's not do that. Okay, we'll go back to watches. Yeah, watches. Why don't we talk about watches? Yeah, we can go back into it for a little bit. Yeah. Can you tell us about how your watches are made? Like who makes your cases, assembles them? How? Yeah, so we have a manufacturing partner in Switzerland that does everything for us. We we kind of flirt between ETA and Salita for our movements. And we have a, we've been very lucky with um, Salita, who's developed a couple of movements specifically for us, which is really How do you cool. convince them to do that? Oh, that's cool. Just, just that lucky. <laughs> just lucky, basically, for the money pusher. That's when you called Elon and we're like, yo, <laughs> I got to call in a favor. Doesn't work like that. I don't, think he, <laughs> I don't think he cares annoyingly. I wanted to get a watch on the wrist of the Moon Man that they fired into space in a yeah, tether, and that didn't SpaceX. happen. That would have been so cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So we um, they had an automatic version of the monopusher movement. They hadn't got a manual one, and I was like, I'd quite like a manual one. Like, well, if you want a manual one, you have to order twenty thousand of them. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, and then the, about two weeks later, they were actually we'd like to make one for our catalog anyway, so we'll develop it with you on this project. So I got to make one, which is super fun. Whoa, I see that's something I had not read doing yeah. the research. That's awesome. Yeah, it's super cool. It's super fun. And it was, it's just nice being able to work on it on that detail and kind of scope out how you can change the bridge and the most value you can get out of that movement. So with something like that, do you see Vertex moving into an in-house? Uh, no, no. I mean, realistically, I think at our price point, um, in-house, it doesn't matter to people as much as reliability and serviceability. Um, and so we, I, I really like the fact that you can, you know, our movements have been tested. I mean, the ETA 7001 movement was developed in 1972. So it's very well known. You can take it anywhere in the world and someone's going to know how to fix it if it needs fixing. Um, it's also very robust because it's been tested for that much time. Whereas I see people making beautiful movements, but they're very fragile. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, so hell, the the idea of a tourbillon right now is ridiculous. It's like, bro, that shit can break. 
Yeah. And there's stunning, there's stunning examples of what human beings can create. And I love it for that. But if you want to watch, you're going to have to wear. And that if you knock it, it's still going to work and that kind of thing. You don't want to, you want something that's reliable. It's a true tool. Like you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, our DNA is about you know, purity of purpose, it's basically designed to do its job. Um, and it wouldn't work. I mean, yes, we could, we could design our movement but most people that say they've got their own movement it's a version of someone else's movement with their name on it and they may produce oh. some parts for it or maybe all the parts for it but it's still someone designed it's, it's, of something. Yeah. that's a shout out to a uh, tutor oh. well tutor claims that they made the bo1 movement it's brightling's Bright movement Link, yeah they just slapped a little thing so can you tell us what other watches from the vertex catalog would you like people to know about or that you maybe want to kind of bring back well, there's a story. Um, I mean, realistically, we made lots and lots of watches. Um, some were slightly complicated, but we weren't really complicated. You know, we made fairly straightforward watches. I think it's more about the time and what those the time meant. It's more about a historical reference. And some of the stories are really really resonate, but they may not be commercially viable. I think... Like the M60, we did make some dive watches, so the dial's very much taken from a dive watch we made in the 50s. But then everyone in the 50s pretty much made the same dive watch, and they all kind of look the same. So it's difficult to have any kind of ownership over that. Um, there are things that we are missing, if you know what I mean, as a watch company, GMT, Sports Coronet, certain things that, you know, dress watch, that, that would fit into our... I'll scale and scale, but for me, yeah, it's much fully from, skeletonized, yeah, double tourbillon, yeah, that totally. Thing. That's yeah, too. yeah, because yeah, fully sapphire case, yeah, yeah. Military personnel love that shit. They, they love it. That. They love it. They couldn't they time it. it without it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, I don't want to be a historical brand completely, so I don't want to all be you about referencing our yourself. past and that sort of thing. And I want to move forward, and and you know, we'll see where it goes. Are you going to release a model and call it like the dreadnought? The dreadnought. Now, annoyingly, um, someone else owns that name. So the M60 Aqualine that I'm wearing now, um, the symbol on the back is the Aqualine, which was the logo for Dreadnought watches. And then the Dreadnought is Latin, and it means fear nothing, Dreadnought, uh -huh. fear nothing. So our serial numbers on the movement and on the case back start with FN, which is our little nod to fear nothing, Dreadnought. Okay. Oh, that's, cool. that's nothing. I like that. Today I learned little, little another one that I did not see on <laughs> on the internet. Oh, yeah, I, I like quite. that. But no, like so relics. That. I mean, a lot of people don't know relics were started in London. It started in 1912 as well. Started in Hatton Garden, just two doors down from uh, Vertex. Oh, and then was bought by the Swiss and went out to Switzerland and became relics, relics, and took well, over the world. Funny story about Hans. Wilsdorf is he created all these different brand names yeah. and one of them was Omegra which was <laughs> supposed yeah. to like be a spin-off of Omega yeah. so he was kind of like trying to do a knockoff just I don't know just thought I'd throw yeah, that out that's there cool. random fun fact on on your Twitter uh in January 11 2010 you ate at Yo Sushi how was that meal and would you ever go back I love Yo Sushi <laughs> what was the exact quote it was uh, at Yo Sushi, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. 
January okay. 11, 2010. Dawn. I have no regrets. And I love sushi. And Yo Sushi has got a place in the world. And back then, it really did have a place in the world. And it was quite unique and special and that sort of thing. So you would eat there again? Yeah, I would eat there again. Although most of them are closed down, so it'd be kind of hard. Yeah, I know. We oh. could reboot it. But if you, you have, go on a Monday, everything's half price. So you should go on a Monday. <laughs> it's really good value. Half price sushi, guys, on Mondays. That's, that's Yo Sushi. That's the leftovers from the <laughs> week before. <laughs> the week before. So, um, I don't know. You want to end it with like maybe one or two more questions? Hey, I'm, I like just having Don here. Yeah. Okay. Let's <laughs> just keep him here for like three more hours. So, you know, <laughs> let's get some more beers. Just kidding. Just pound some. Um, what is... Uh... Actually here, man. Please go. I'm, Are I'm, you all right, Brent? I've talked for like 20 hours. I feel yeah. like we've had the same We're job the... today, all yeah. three of us. It's hard. We just it's talked hard to say the same exhausting. story over and over, over, it is over That's why we try to not talk watches. No, and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Oh, man. it's It's been a blast to have you also because we were just curious about some of these stuff. It seems so insane. Another question I have is, Don, are you hiring? And I would work for you. <laughs> yeah. I'll be your like a personal assistant that really doesn't do anything besides maybe make you laugh every once in a while. Thanks. And then I'll just follow you over. Sounds, you go. sounds like a winner. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and so for, I guess, back to lame stuff, as far as watches go, what's your other collection? Like what other watches do you have in your yeah, collection? I mean, to be honest, one of the most, the saddest things about running a watch company and some people manage to do this but i haven't found a way of doing it is that i can't buy other watches now because i can't be wearing someone else's watch because people like tell me about your watch company like well i'm not wearing one now and you're wearing like <laughs> and that, oh, that's why don't not, you have your own brand on you yeah know? and so i i can't do that anymore there's lots of lots of watches i love and i'd love to own but i can't have them so that's what it is i've got a few watches i still own from my pre-vertex days which just sit in a case in my room. Besides the Vertex Dirty Dozen, do you have any of the others? Yeah, I've got all of them. Of course it does. So when I, when I started, before I started Vertex, when I was starting Vertex, um, one of the things Vertex has done and all the press that Vertex has had is it's really accentuated the collectability of the Dirty Dozen. And, and the prices of the watches have gone up dramatically, especially the Grania, because they're so oh few of them. But People when I bought my Grania, it was two thousand pounds. So it's expensive because Grania is not a particularly the, great watch. The, the current re ask for it is twenty eight thousand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for a fucking beat up one yeah. in shit condition. Because it was the worst of them. That's why they didn't make any. <laughs> what, are, what are the other ones that you think haven't been that are like low production that haven't really reached its full? What from the day dozen or from from the dirty dozen? Well, I mean to be honest, the Jaeger Lecouture is the best one. It's the nicest watch. It's, it's the beautiful. nicest movement. It's the nicest case. Great hands. Lovely, lovely dials. So that's my favorite by far. Um, you know, I I think all the rest are kind of. I mean, they're not. Omega is a bit better, and IWC is a bit better. Um, but after that, I think they're all sort of on a par. I mean, some of them are all pretty much identical. So. The spec was there for yeah, a reason. So. Absolutely. What's that triangle cross, right? Like it's that's the MOD sign. Yeah. Yeah. So it's called a phenom or broad arrow, and it basically means crown property. It's, it belongs to the crown. Uh, it doesn't belong to you. So we got permission to use it on our watch as a historical motif. Um, but it's you'll find that some of the other companies that have tried to do. Um, <coughs> Bremont. <laughs> who've tried to do uh, <laughs> uh, they weren't allowed to use it just to so. let you know don winked at us <laughs> <laughs> just kidding because i mean that was just something i was curious like because like i know companies always are like oh like it's like after military heritage you don't have it 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was a really. I remember the day I basically had two designs, and I had to decide. Well, I had to say what we were doing, whether it was going to have the broad arrow on the face or not. And I'd, I'd written to the MAD, and they messed around, blah blah blah. And then I got the email saying, "Yeah, you can do it." It's like, yes. let's let's ask Amazing. them if we can get matching broad arrow tats on our butt cheeks. I know you can totally do that. You can do that right now. I'll yeah, pay for go. it. Yeah, do I'll it. do it for no, you. All, all three, <laughs> all three at, the same, at the same. You time. might not know us, but Don, I think, knows how to tattoo. Yeah, I didn't mention that. I, I can totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. It's been a blast, Don. It's, it's I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. I uh, love that do we you have, came here. Do we have like a ASMR? ASMR. Can we use your watch? So in yeah, the, you got in a our show, the, yeah. in our show, we usually typically end the show oh. with a noise thing no we end it for, with two we have to thank our sponsor and we have to thank and then we have to do the asmr that's right who's our sponsor today is it stella today it's zach from worn and wound thank you zach for okay, inter- cool. giving was us it a zach chance. or zach it was za i think silent c thank you for za. being a great sport and yeah. also and accessibility letting yeah, us into that, the family there is no way that we but would have gotten dawn sat down <laughs> with us if it wasn't for for that for event. yeah it's been a blast. Thank Whoa. you. Thanks, Don. It's been a blast for me as well. Thank and you And let's do an AS... If you want to hold your... Yeah, yeah, right up to the mic and just... Wait a second. I can't get my angle on it. Oh. Jackhammer. Okay. <laughs> Didn't think you were that type of guy. All right. See you, folks. We will see you next time. See you next time, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Don.